we've been talking about, we've been speaking from the book of Luke, which, by the way, has become a new book for me in the last several weeks. Have you ever had the Bible turn into something new? I read it all my life, most of my life, and now when I'm reading it, I see something completely different. But not in contradiction to what I already saw. It just added a, another picture to it so that I'm going, Lord, that's so good. We've been talking about generosity. But when you say generosity, for most people, the first thing that comes in their mind is money. And, 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 and it's true, it's difficult to separate the subject of, dif- of generosity from money. But I want to say to you that there are all kinds of generosity. And uh, in this season, where we are right now, at the end of 2019, this will help you. I want to talk about power and generosity. But check this out. I want to talk about it in the light of an incredible story. This is not a parable. This actually happened. And Zacchaeus is a real person. Can you hear me okay out there? Okay, good. It's, it, when, we, when we look at the Gospel of Luke, um, this theme runs all through the book. Sometimes it hides itself. As you dig a little deeper, there it comes again. And it, it, it stands up in this story in an incredible way. Um, once you see what the text is, is talking about when it comes to Jesus, then in the light of Jesus, you can understand everything else. In fact, one of the problems that you may have if you come to the Bible and try to make it a book of history, you have difficulty because some history books aren't up to date, so they don't catch up with the Bible. If you try to make it a science book, the Bible certainly is credible in terms of scientific discovery, but it's beyond scientific discovery. If you try to make the book of the Bible a relationship book, well, it is that. But before you get it, before you get it about relationships or money or land or houses or careers, before you get it, you've got to see Jesus. I will tell you that if you see Jesus first, the Bible and foremost is about Jesus. I'm sorry to hurt you that way. Talk to your neighbor and say, the Bible really is about Jesus. If you miss that point, you miss everything. You got to get it when it comes to Jesus. So when, when Jesus tells a story, it's in the light of who he is. And while we take a look at that today, um, the Bible does address issues of power, issues of money. Everything else it addresses. But foremost, it's about him. So, what we're learning about today is is this one fact. The only way to really know Jesus is you got to be converted. The only way to really know him, something has to happen inside of you. The Bible calls that conversion. And conversion is never seen more drastically, more dramatically than in this story with Zacchaeus. Hmm. So I want to look at it. I want to look at it and I want to take some snapshots from four different directions. And when you see it, if you've got it, you'll know you've got it. And, you, and, and you'll be so happy you did because what he's telling us in this story will most definitely change your life. Mm-hmm. Yeah? So I want to look at it from four sides. I want to look at the necessity to be converted. Um, I want to look at the circumstances of conversion, the key to conversion, and the sign. Um, when, when I was growing up, this is a word that we used all the time in the church. You know, you, you got to be converted. Be converted. Anybody ever heard that word converted? Yeah, yeah. 
it, it, it suggests that something deep on the inside has changed in your life. And, and it's important that you understand that in the light of Zacchaeus' life because when you look at his life, uh, it's an amazing it, it's, it's, an, it's an amazing discovery just to understand the history around his life because I, as I rehearsed last week, tax collectors were loathed. They were hated. That was the guy that you spit on the ground when he walks by because they hated him so much. And the reason why they hated tax collectors is because tax collectors had to get on the Roman government side the very government that took over their, their nation. And the Roman government, instead of just destroying everything, would collect taxes. Well, actually, that's kind of a sham to call it a tax. It really is, it's really a, it's really a, a what's that money? Shakedown money. We, you pay me to keep me from beating your, hello, you understand what I'm saying? What's, extortion. That's the, that's the word I'm looking for. Not what you, what you don't get is that Rome would extort 80% of their wealth. 80%. So, and they were saying, well, you, you give us the 80 what's better? Give us the 80% or die. So Rome allowed the nations they conquered to exist. But those nations were being <laughs> fleeced, to say the least. And so in order, in order, in order for me to be a tax collector, you had to be hired by the Roman government. And the Roman government said, you collect the taxes for us. And by the way, we'll give you swords and we'll give you spears. We'll back you up. And if anybody resists you, we'll take care of that. And don't worry. Don't, people won't resist you because they're afraid of us. But it's amazing. You, as a tax collector, you could collect more than what Rome required. In fact, Rome said, I'm going to put you in business. You get what you can get. Just make sure we get our cut. And so when they looked at tax collectors, they were despised. But check this out. The Bible says, are you looking at the text? Look at the text. The Bible says in verse 2, he was a chief tax collector. Are you there? And what else did it say about him? He was what else? Wealthy. Now, you know, you talk about upset with a person. Now, not only are you the, the, you're the chief, or in other words, you're the head of all of them, but you're also wealthy and how did you get wealthy you got wealthy on the backs of your brothers and your sisters y'all breathing i'm sorry forgive me for some of you who are patriots but it sounds like some of our some of our politicians but that's all right it's true that one of the writers one of the writers of 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 uh, commentary for the new testament called this story the conversion of a wealthy politician and he's, absolute, he's absolutely right when you understand who Zach was, Zacchaeus is, and what he did. And the Bible says, but he was short. And the people said, amen. Mm-hmm. Um, so the Bible uh, is an amazing, I, I really would like to continue to sell to you, for you to buy the fact that there is no book like the Bible and that it is completely credible. It's completely reliable. It is without error. When I say without error, I do not mean that the translators got, didn't uh, have to correct a misspelled word. I don't mean that. I'm talking about in its substance and its content. And if you do not know it, but if you only listen to college professors, you have doubt right now as to whether the word of God is true. For those of you that have been indoctrinated by education, they will teach you that this is foolishness. I don't have time to debate them right now. I'll just tell you what it says and let it work in your life and you can go tell them what happened to you. Amen. But the truth is, the war going on in the nation is against the word of God. Look at your neighbor and say, and you're a warrior for the word of God. Amen. Find somebody, look them in their eyes. Let everything in your life, let everything in your life testify to the goodness of God. Let everything in your life prove that God is good and God is right. Clap your hands and give him praise for that. Amen. So I want to deal with this real quick. The only way to know Jesus is you have to get converted. Hmm. 
Yeah, so let's, let's deal with it. First of all, why is it necessary to be converted? You have to go to the end of the story. At the end of the story, Jesus says in verse 9, he says, today, Zacchaeus, today, salvation has come to your house because this man too is a son of Abraham. It's kind of amazing. What do, we, what do we think about, what do you think about when you think about conversion? When I think about conversion, uh, I think about the bum on Skid Row. We used to say Skid Row. We don't even use the terms anymore. Skid Row. The bum on the street. You know, if he's on the street, he's there for years. And then all of a sudden, now he's sitting up in the church. He's cleaned up. And he's a deacon of the church. You'd say that man got converted. Right. If a person was a, was a, a, a worshiped uh, the Hindu faith and, and, and now has gotten rid of all those artifacts and now is declaring the Lord Jesus Christ, you'd say he got converted. Yeah. Unfortunately, for many Americans, we've dropped this term and it's, it's morphed into something that, well, eventually you get converted by a long-term process. If you study not long enough, if you go to church long enough, if you go to Sunday school, if you go to Bible study long enough, you'll be converted. Conversion for many, unfortunately for too many Christians and for many other faiths is a long-term transaction. Jesus doesn't treat it that way in this book. Hmm. In fact, for most religions, you have to do enough works you have to do enough things. You have to do enough things to be converted. Are you breathing, saints? And Jesus tells Nicodemus in John 3, you know, Nicodemus, he was one of the teachers of the law. He told Nicodemus, and Nicodemus, by the way, was a good man. Now, 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 now Zacchaeus, you know, he was a scoundrel. Short, probably talked loud, had a lot of backup. Feel me? Nicodemus was not, Nicodemus came by night to see Jesus, but he was an honorable man. Nicodemus was a moral man. He practiced the law. Nicodemus was a religious person, but Jesus said to him, looked him dead in his eyes and said, you must be converted. You want to, you want to enter the kingdom of God? You must be converted. And he told him, you have to be born again. Nicodemus said, born again? And, and here's how ignorant he was to the things of God. Even though he was educated with doctoral degrees in the, in the scripture, he said, how can a man, how can a man go back in his mama's womb? That's a trip. <laughs> Jesus said, you, you, you a learned scholar and you don't know these things, Nicodemus? You have to be born again. Jesus speaks to him about it. He speaks to him about it, though he's a good man, though he has good works, though he's probably generous, though he's knowledgeable about the scripture, though he's an example to everybody else, Jesus looks at him and basically says, you are lost and you must be born again. And so I ask you today, are you converted? Because it is possible in American Christianity to do all the things that it says is necessary for you to be saved. A certain way to act, a certain place and a time to show up, a certain way you talk, a certain way you dress and walk. Unfortunately, today they throw all that out when it comes to Facebook because I've been looking at some of y'all's Facebook and y'all don't believe none of that. Hello, somebody. If I can get somebody to say, please, amen, Jesus. I was talking to a person on the phone the other day. I said, how is it that the saints, the saints of God, the sanctified ones, how is it they can look me in the face on Sunday morning? And I go on Facebook on Monday and I say, what? What? Ain't that, ain't that, ain't, I text Tiffany, Tiffany, ain't that one of your, uh, no, <clears throat> it's amazing to me. Conversion is something powerful and important. It must be to Jesus because he mentioned it. He mentions it over and over again. And when it comes to Zacchaeus, by the way, who doesn't even qualify to be saved, Jesus said, mm, you are a son of Abraham. Salvation 
has come to your house. So what about, the, what about this, this necessity of conversion? It is so that God requires it. Some of you might have read or even watched some of his films made from his books, C.S. Lewis. He wrote in his book, Mere Christianity, and I'm paraphrasing, Jesus didn't come to make you nice. Jesus came to make you new. Nice is an excellent thing, but becoming nice, we should not suppose that if we make people nice, that they are saved. In fact, one of the biggest problems with believers is that they're so nice. They're so nice that nice they don't stand up for anything. They're so nice they're afraid to enter into the conversation. They're so nice they won't represent Jesus. They're so nice they don't even count. I like what C.S. Lewis said when he said in the rest of his writings, he said, <laughs> he said becoming nice is not being saved. Improvement is not redemption. God became a man not to produce better men of the old kind, but a new kind of man. Being saved is more like a horse that has wings now. C.S. <laughs> Lewis. And this is a challenge we have right now in this crazy political climate in this economic climate we live in in this cultural degradation that we're dealing with as believers you better understand whether or not you are truly converted hopefully today you will be and so this necessity well in God's mind in Christ's mind in Jesus language you must be converted Look at your neighbor and say, you must, you need to be converted. <laughs> when you talk about the, the circumstance of conversion, which is better, which is better? A dramatic, which is better? A dramatic conversion out of a crisis of, of uh, desperation or persistence. It's kind of interesting when people get converted out of desperation, I have a problem sometimes with that. Because you know how it is when, when, you, when, you, when you're alone and your, your boyfriend is gone and, and they all left you and then here comes some knight in shining armor and you desperate, heartbroken and you know lonely and you just, you just, you just, yes, you know. And some people get married out of that only when they feel better to leave. Because the reality is, is that uh, the circumstance of conversion is very important. You don't always have to be desperate to be saved. Desperate persons often respond immediately out of pain, only to walk away when everything feels better. <laughs> but Zacchaeus was persistent because he was short. And short people, it's hard, they can't get no love. You understand what I'm saying? No, I, I'm, not, I'm not picking on nobody. See, if you're short, you can get in front of the crowd. So, 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 so Zacchaeus, the Bible says, he, he, he was short, so he had to run ahead of the crowd so he could climb up the tree. Now, do you know how hard it is for shorter legs to make more steps than the long leg people? He was persistent. So he runs and, um, and, you know, if you're a short person, most people don't mind you getting in front of the crowd if you're short. Because, you know, if you're short, no, you, you ain't obstructing nobody's vision. Go ahead, come on. Unless you're a tax collector. Now, if you're a tax collector, they, you, you better get, hey, hey, you know. Oh, no, there ain't nobody letting you through. Well, they know who you are. You, first of all, you dress too nice. Your clothes are too immaculate. Your style is impeccable. But, but we recognize you because you're the one that shook down Uncle Renfro the other day. See, you, you ain't, no, you ain't getting in front of nobody. So he understands that. So Zacchaeus, persistent as he is, and he's curious. He heard Jesus passing by, so he want to check him out. He heard all this commotion about Jesus. So he runs ahead of him and runs up in the sycamore tree. Are you there? He runs up in the tree. Are you there? And so he, he climbs that tree 
and because uh, he just wants to get a view. He had to beat the clock. He had to beat the crowd to get up the tree. He had to care nothing about what the crowd thought. Zacchaeus had to have the attitude. I don't care what y'all think. And by the way, for, for people who have money and power, which he had both, he was wealthy and powerful, being the chief tax tax collector. But people who have power and people who have money, they don't usually care about other folk that much. Zach didn't care that much. He just wanted to see Jesus. So he took whatever advantage he could. He'd been taking advantage of people for a long time. And, and he, he, uh, he, he's known throughout the city, throughout the region. But he wanted to see Jesus. It's kind of an interesting thing. You don't have to be desperate, but you do have to be persistent and you have to be open. And you cannot be afraid of the crowd. If you want to be converted, you have to be persistent. Are you there? You have to be open and you can't be afraid of what other people might think. Let me talk for a second about the key to conversion. Mm. Every other religion says, if you want to be saved, you have to do this and this and this and this and this. You got to sit a certain way. Got to cross your legs a certain way. Yeah, I think I'll be good. You have to cross your legs a certain <laughs> sit a certain way. And, and, and you, have to mu you have to mutter and mumble and you have to go through these and you have to do it on a certain day and at a certain time. Yeah, well, I was trying to work in. wrong finger oh sorry about that how you know that baby anyway uh it's it's an amazing thing to me how many religions require you and i to do so many crazy things in order to be right with god if you if, if you're coming from a custom or a tradition outside of christianity and i'm not talking about traditional christianity in the in the negative sense where churches require you to have all manner things for you to know Jesus like you can't show your toes you can't show your neckline and for God's sake don't show no cleavage you can't you know on and on, on and on and on and on and on to sit there a certain way got to meditate for a certain amount of time you know and, and really what's really crazy some religions they, they make you take I can't I wish I, I thought about it. I wish I thought about it I bought one uh, let me see. I don't know. I want to mess. That's his coat. I don't guess I'll mess with his coat. On the other hand, maybe I will. Amen. Hey, Mark, I got your coat, man. So they want you to carry your blanket around with you. So at a certain time of day, you got to take that blanket out. Put it down on the crib. Get down on it. Get this new definition. Get down on it. You have to have one part of your derriere in the air. Another one on head on the ground again. And in fact, you're considered even more religious if you got them knots on your head for having your head on the ground. And for seven times a day, for some, see, it's never enough. The problem with all other religions, it's never enough. It's bondage. What day? You're you saved or not saved depending on what day? Are you serious? When you hear the message of Jesus, it so contradicts the other religions. I, I'm, I'm really not here to offend anybody, but I, but I, but I will tell you that one make, what makes it so beautiful about what he does and about what he says is for, for other religions, the key to conversion, it's really tough for other religions. No other religion says you are saved. No other religion says you were saved. No other religion says you shall be saved. Salvation is a matter of what you do and you are never done. You have never done enough. You can't do enough. Salvation is only a process in other religions. 
David Martin Lloyd-Jones, great pastor and writer, he says, <laughs> he asked a diagnostic question to his, his church memberships. I probably should adopt his style of leadership. And he says, he asked a diagnostic question to see if they understood the gospel as Jesus taught it or if they, if they thought that salvation is a process that goes on endlessly. And people just hope they make it in. Be, be, before my conversion, I want to tell you, I, 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 Corey, I grew up, my parents grew up, had us grow up. I don't think I should do that with my glasses on. There we go. My parents grew up. No, I'm good. I'm good. Okay, okay. My, I, honestly, my, my parents, they grew up in the church, man. You know, uh, and we used to all, the piano was always on that side, and we sat on that side. We went, and they moved it on that side, and, and it was pews, you know, because the pews don't have no chair legs, you know. You just, you know so we would lay up under the pew. We, we slept in the church. There was no children's church, so we just slept under the pew. And we, we grew up in church, and, 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 and so all of our life we were involved in religion. But when conversion really came, it was so dramatic for me. Because there were a lot of good folk. There were a lot of good folk in the church. But they didn't know Jesus. A lot of folk have been, been good a long time. But they didn't know Jesus. Are you still with me? Okay, so check the key out because the key to conversion because no religion says salvation has come like a done deal that's the way Jesus says it when he talks to this talks to this wealthy extortionist salvation has come to your house I want you to understand in the text when he says it you'll be shocked what comes afterwards but he says it before Zach does anything good. Salvation has come to your house. Wow. What about the key to conversion? Well, salvation is a matter of what you do for most people and for most religions. And you can't do enough. How exhausting. You know, I believe there's, there, there, are, there are folks in the church of Jesus Christ who are exhausted because they can't do enough. And in all they're doing and in all they're getting, they have no joy, they have no peace, they have no peace, they have no joy. Mm. So David... David Martin Lord Jones would ask his members a question. He'd go to their house and, and uh, he, he, he wanted to see if they were really saved. So here's, he, he, here's what he would say. Are you willing to say, I am a Christian? And they would say something like this. Well, I think so. Um, well, maybe I am. Well, I'm, I'm, really, I'm really doing my best. I would like to think I'm a Christian, but I don't feel like I'm really good enough yet. At once, when they gave him that response, he would start preaching to them. He'd start preaching something like this. He knew they had no idea of what a Christian really was. They were still thinking of themselves it sounds modest to say, um, I'm, I'm trying the best I can, or I, I may not be worthy to be a Christian. It really is a denial of the faith. And he would start preaching. He said, you're not good enough. No one has ever been good enough. But, the, but Christian salvation is not based on you being good enough. Jesus is the only one who's good enough. And if you're in him, you're saved. 
Now, the reason why I'm not getting no love right now because everybody's running them questions through their own mind right now. I understand that. Because you got 10,000 things that come up that have been spoken to you about, but you don't smoke and you don't chew or you don't run the, with those that do. And most of you, or many of you, that's your, that's your modus operandi. When you leave here, you smoke. When you leave here, you chew. And when you leave here, you run with everybody that do. And, and so when, when, I talk, when I talk this way, but you come to church on Sunday morning, right? So I came to tell you this morning. The answer is, the answer is, you will... Tell your neighbor, look him in the face. You will never be good enough. You will never be good enough. You will never be good enough. You cannot be good enough in yourself. There is nothing in you. There is nothing in you that can merit his salvation. There's nothing you can do to, to earn what he did for you. There's nothing you can, there's no amount of money. There's no amount of good acts. There's nothing you can do ever that is enough to pay for your salvation. Tap your neighbor and say, you just, you just ain't good enough. You ain't good enough. On this, you're right. You ain't good enough. Jesus does not come to us on the basis of how good we are. In fact, what I love about the book of Luke is he flips the whole script. And what he does, he does something that's radical. He takes all the good people and they lose. And takes all the bad people and they win. Check it out. Remember them two boys? One ran off, sleep with everybody. <laughs> We don't know that he slept with people. Just inferred. We, he took his, his, his inheritance and did his thing. What about the older brother who stayed home? Mr. Goody Two-Shoes. He was always right. Had all his collars pressed. Man. Did everything daddy said. Did the chores. Stayed out late. Worked, worked the fields. Took his father's business. He was a good kid. He never done nothing wrong. Look at your neighbor and say, Emma, is he talking about you right now? <laughs> he gets rejected because he can't stand it when the younger brother comes home. And this younger, this younger kid has done everything the big brother wanted to do. Are y'all breathing? He back, he back in the corner of my Are you all, are you there? Why am I screaming at you? I'm not sure why. Oh yeah, I did. I, I did. I told you I'm not bad at you. Conversion, man, is an incredible thing. Because when Jesus talks about it in terms of Zacchaeus, he's talking about somebody who has two things that everybody else would think, well, if you have that, you're cool. He had power and he had money. But he's curious. So he shows up. And Jesus gives us this incredible key. And that key, hmm, <laughs> that key is, <laughs> you can't do this by yourself. So when David Lloyd-Jones asked the question to his parishioners, are you willing to say, I am a Christian? And they would respond, it would reveal where their hearts were. So if, if you're walking down the hall and the bishop stops you and looking in your face and say, are you, a, are you willing to say, I am a Christian? I don't know what you're going to say, but you know what I'm saying. Don't you know what I'm saying? Because Zacchaeus, Zacchaeus didn't care what everybody thought. And so it is, the essence of Christianity is the order. Check the order. The order that you get to know God. So when, when Jesus reached the, that spot, when he looked up and saw Zacchaeus in verse 5, he, he looked up and he said, Zacchaeus, come down immediately. I must come to your house. And Jesus, and Jesus said to him, today, salvation how are you going to say Jesus? You, you have no, that's the only conversation you're going to have with the man is I'm coming to your house. How are you going to declare, how are you going to declare the man saved? He said, today salvation is come to your house. 
Because wherever Jesus is, salvation is. And this is the challenge with the church right now. If he's there, salvation's there. If he's not there, salvation's not there. And so it is when where Jesus is present, salvation is also. When Jesus comes into your house, salvation comes to your house. When Jesus <laughs> is coming into the house of a morally corrupt man, the crowd is shocked. He's going to his house? You remember how many people wanted Jesus to come to their house? The last person in the world they ever thought that Jesus would go would be Zacchaeus' house. And Jesus said, I'm coming. Jesus invites himself. Lord have mercy. It's not like Zacchaeus invited Jesus. He said, I'm coming. I see. I know who I'm looking at. Today, I'm coming to your house. Can you stand up, boys? And look, man, can you see his eyes? Sometimes T call guys, little, little man. She's, she don't do that much anymore. But, but, but can you see his eyes buck open? My house? So yeah, I'm coming to your house today. Wow. See, for most of us, we say, you know, clean up your life first, then he'll come into your house. Get your act together, then he'll come into your life. Stop your lying, stealing, smoking, screwing, then I'll come into your life. For most people, that's how, that's how they think about it. Well, you know, I, I, ain't, ready. I ain't ready for Jesus yet because, you know, I still, wanna, I still got some more dirt to do. But the, real, the truth is, the Lord is loving you while you're doing your dirt. Tell your neighbor what I said. Tell your neighbor what I said. When you go home and you sit here and you go home and do what you do, the Lord didn't kick you out. He's still checking you out and he still wants salvation to come to your house. We're the only ones messed up about this. That's why, that's why people don't come to church because they think I got to have a certain clothes on. Well, I got to have a certain lifestyle. Well, I can't be smelling like hemp if I come up in the church. And you know I'm not advocating, but I am telling you, this attitude is what keeps people from being converted. The real deal is the Lord chooses to, to accept you to belong and then he helps you to believe. Lord, have mercy. That's exactly what he does to Zach. He, he said, I'm coming. He didn't give him any parameters. He didn't, say, he didn't even say clean up. He just said, I'm coming. Are you there, saints? Clean up your life first, you know, then he'll come in. Yeah, right. Then I'll hang out with you. That's why we treat other people, right? You know, I, I can't hang with you because, you know, I can't, you know, like, you know, like my reputation. I can't, you know what I'm saying? <laughs> and this is the one reason why. This is the one reason why the world looks at us, the church, and sneers because, you know, they never, you know, the, those who knew they needed God never sneered at Jesus. The only ones who sneered at him were the ones who thought they had God. Check this poem out. It's not, it's not that I've chosen, it's not that I have chosen thee, for Lord, that could not be. The heart would still refuse thee had thou not chosen me. My heart owns none before thee. For thou rich grace I thirst, this knowing if I love thee, thou must have loved me first. Not that we loved him, but that he first, come on, that he first what? Loved us. Most people don't know, Jesus comes and gives us his grace and his love first. And, and then out of that, joy comes. Because we know we don't deserve it. That's why religious people, that's why religious people got a real problem. They better get an asbestos suit if they don't change their heart. Because people are religious, you know, they, 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 they're always putting stipulations. They can't be generous with their home because they don't want your feet on their new carpet. That's why they put plastic on top of, Lord have mercy, on top of the furniture. 
And there are some people that you can't come to my house, you gotta take your shoes off. Now I don't mind taking shoes off, but sometimes faith things to be truth. I wish we would talk about this more. They need to leave their shoes on. That, but that's a whole nother subject. Say, excuse me, look at the joy. Look at the wonder in Zach's face, man. He's, he can't believe it. He's rejected by everybody. He's rejected by everybody. But look at the joy. He was amazed that Jesus would love him at the cost of Jesus' reputation. You hang out with a tax collector, people are looking at you kind of strange. In the same way, when he let that woman wash his feet, they're looking at him some kind of way. Are you all there? Jesus willing to risk his reputation for your soul to hang out with you. I'm almost done. Check it out. He was amazed that Jesus would love him at the cost of his rep. He loved him not only at the cost of his reputation, Jesus loved him at the cost of his life. The difference between religion and the gospel is in Romans 1.17, the righteousness talked about there is not a righteousness that you earn or a righteousness that you give to God. It's a righteousness that God gives to you. And it's not your own righteousness he gives to you. It's his righteousness. that he, That's why it's so wicked when you don't receive him because he's providing everything that you need to be, to be converted, to be changed to be saved. He gives you himself in spite of what you are and what you carry and what you've done. It is amazing. It is truly an amazing grace because you and I don't deserve it. And if we've been serving God for 10 and 20 years and yet we have no joy, it's, one, it's a wonder whether God has got any joy from your life. Ah, uh, you got to ask yourself a question. If you're not full of joy, what's wrong with you? Tap your neighbor. Don't, look at him in the eye. Don't say nothing. Just, just, just look at him. They, they, know what you, they know what you're asking. What's wrong? What's wrong with you? It's amazing. Jesus is saying, I, 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 I'm loving you first. I'm coming to you first. Then what we do, we respond to him. And that's the difference. That's the essence of salvation. Not that we saved ourselves, but he saved us, came after us. The picture of it is that, that curtain in the temple that gets ripped into that nobody could go behind that curtain without special preparation. You would die. And, and, and in case you did die, they tied something to your leg so that, that when, if you died, your life wasn't right and, and you're in the Shekinah presence of God and you died back there, they could pull you out because they couldn't go back there and get you because if they went back there, they'd be dead too. Hello, somebody. And what you get in the New Testament is you get that curtain that separated supposedly God from men. It ripped, it's ripped from the top to the bottom, ripped wide open, and God is breaking out to come get you. I don't know what you're waiting on, and I don't know why you have been resisting him. Because salvation is not something that somehow is you doing a favor for God. <laughs> God is the one who's come after you. Same way he came after Zach. Hang with me. You can stand a little while longer, I hope. I want to talk, I, okay, I want to talk about the sign of conversion. Zach, can I do that right quick? How am I looking? Okay. Jesus said to, Jesus said to Zach, today salvation has come to your house. When he says that, he's not saying, now that you are giving your money away, you are saved. He's not saying that. No. He's saying, I, I, I know you're already saved because you're giving your money away. In other words, you haven't really grasped the grace of God if it doesn't change your attitude about your money. That's why it's so uncomfortable to talk about money to believers because Jesus knows that money is at the heart of where you and I are. Because it's our power. It's our ability to live like we want to live. Do what we want to do. Be all we can be. 
dress like we want. Hello, somebody. Eat in whatever restaurant we want to eat. Order anything off the menu twice if you want to. Money is power. Are y'all still with me? Money allows you to live in that neighborhood where you don't have to worry about somebody, somebody, somebody coming, taking a spray can and, and writing their name spray on, on the door, on your front door. You live, live where you want to live. Live in a gated community. Can't even get in there. Money is power. Tell your neighbor, money is your power. Man, you know, you, it, it allows you to travel like you want to travel. You ain't, to, you ain't got to go by that, what's that special bus called, T? That when you, get, you ain't got to go mega bus. <laughs> when you got money, when you got money, you go get the plane. And when you got enough money, you get your own plane. When you got money, you know, it's, you wake up. You know, you, you don't have to wake up to the sound of shooting next door. Pam, pam, pam. You blackity, blackity. Oh, God, it's time to get up. Okay, no, no, you ain't got to worry about that. No, you, you wake up to, uh, you know, you can, you can put on whatever music you want. Let it gently bring you out. Or you could do like Eddie Murphy did. He had a whole orchestra up in the ceiling playing. Good morning, Zaya. <laughs> Wipers! <laughs> when, you got, when you got money, when you got money, you live like you want to live. Tap your neighbor and say, money, your money is your power. And Jesus knows it. And Zacchaeus had a lot of it to the point that he was called wealthy. You there? So when, 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 when he's, when, we know conversion comes, but check this out. Look at verse eight. But Zacchaeus stood up and said, by the way, Jesus said, I'm coming to your house. So he ha Zac hasn't done anything yet. Jesus made a move toward him. And by the way, I just want you to know there's some people who are waiting for you to make a move on them. That's another, that's another subject. But, but when Jesus says, I'm coming to your house, verse 8 says, Zacchaeus stood up and said, Lord, Lord, look! And it's with an exclamation point uh, in the scripture. There are no exclamation points. Uh, but, but the way the Greek is written, the way it's written, lets you know that it's an exciting moment. Look, Lord! I now, he says, look, Lord, here and now. Say, here and now. I give half my possessions to the poor. You do what? And if I have cheated anybody out of anything, that boy's a tax collector, please. If I cheated anybody out of anything, I will pay back how much? What is wrong with you, boy? Can you imagine his fellow tax collector friends? Boy, you have lost your D mind, right? You right? Can you imagine? Y'all still with me? Hang with me just a little bit long. Check it out. So, <laughs> it's so funny to me. It's so funny to me when you think about it. If you go to the movies in the scripture, God will show you some stuff. And Zach is, he's, he's, he's like, he's enlightened. It's not like he's going, oh God, I guess I got the tithe. No, dude, he's saying, check out the numbers. Check, check, check out the numbers. It's an amazing thing. First of all, when Jesus says, um, salvation has come to your house. He's not saying, I, I said that before, he's not saying, okay, all right, now that you're giving your money, I know. No, he's not doing that because no money was offered when Jesus said, I'm coming to your, salvation is coming to your house. In the same way that he didn't ask you to be saved, he just let them string him up. He sacrificed, tell you never, without your permission. He died for you without, without your permission. This is what makes it so incredible. And even so, when you look down and see and, and just examine what he says, Zacchaeus, <laughs> Zacchaeus says, well, um, 
Lord, I'm going to give half of my possessions to the poor. <laughs> look, look, it was traditionally acceptable that you would give 10% of your income to the poor, to the Levites, to the ministry of the house of God. That was acceptable in the Old Testament. That's what you did. If you're a person that believed God and if you're a person that obeyed the scripture, that's what you did. But Zach, Zach, he has a confrontation with Jesus who says, I'm coming into your life. By the way, if you, if you invite somebody in your home or you go to somebody else's home, you are taking your life into their home. Now, my wife and I have for the last several weeks, because the Lord started dealing with us about this, we have not used offices and other places, but we've opened our home because I want them to come into my life and I want to come into their life. And unfortunately, you have, you have, we have, we've blown it all together. We forgot if somebody comes in your home, they're coming into your life. They sit at your table and eat your food. They're part, that's a friendship. Why did I get so quiet? Are you that way you want to buy in your house? Lord, help you. Lord, let salvation come to the house of God. It's amazing. Jesus said to him, he didn't say I'm coming to your business. I'm coming to your house. They couldn't believe it. They said, what? He said, what? They understood what that meant as the, as the tradition of that country. And so they're looking at each other. He's going to come to his house? Not only that, he said, I'm going to give half I'm giving 50%, not 10%. I'm giving 50% to the poor. What? I said, what have happened? Something got to be did. And then he says, if you cheated, or it, it, look, in the Old Testament, if you cheated someone or extorted money from somebody, you had to restore 100% of the property with 20% interest. So if you took something, you had to restore 120%. Zach, Zach, something happened to him. Something have happened to him. He says, I'm going to give 400%. How do you, where you get that from, Bishop? Four times. I'm giving, if I, if I take, an, I, if, if I've extorted, and you know he knew he knew, right? And he wasn't afraid nor ashamed of that. Didn't care what the crowd thought. He said, he said, I will give them back four times, 400%. I'll return it to him. Look to me. He ain't crying when he does this. He ain't talking about, oh, Jesus. Oh, God, 50%. Oh, God. I don't know how I'm going to live. Oh, that's 400%. Oh, God. No, he, he's not like that. Are you all breathing? He's like, yes. He's like, look, daddy. Look, let me show you what I'm going to do. <laughs> He's overcome, overwhelmed because he has Jesus and he has Jesus. There's more of that where it came from. <laughs> and, I don't, and if I get with him, I don't even have to extort nobody. He'll show me what, Lord, have mercy. It's amazing. So, so, <laughs> how I'm trying to get this done quickly as I can. Okay, okay, yeah, okay. So check it out. Because his understanding of money and power had so radically changed with one confrontation of Jesus, it so radically changed. He understood that power is money and money is power. Look at your neighbors that power is money and money is your power. Yes, I understand it's one kind of power, but it is a power, right? See, the more money you have, the more control of the world you have. The more in control in the world you are. The more of the world is, uh, is, the more of the world is under your control with the more money you have. The less vulnerable to problems and situations when you have money and resources. The freedom to do what you want to do when you have money and resources. 
Your money. Tell you, tap your neighbor, tap him on the shoulder. Say your money is your power, baby. So giving, check it out. Giving sacrificially is giving to a point. Giving sacrificially is giving to a point that affects your power. When you give away your power, you are actually distributing power. It's an amazing thing. Zach got it. He understood it. When you say, I, 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 don't know if I, I can't afford it, what you're really saying is, if I give this, it's going to cut into my lifestyle. When, 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 when you're confronted with giving, generosity, which is radical generosity in the, in the scripture, what happens is you, you, when, you're, when you're radically generous, you're not afraid to cut into your power. You, give away, you, you look at it differently. I'm giving my power away. See, when I feel I can give this amount without affecting my lifestyle is when I'm giving enough not to rock my boat. That's why most people give two or three percent of their income because they don't rock their boat. It don't change. I got my movie night on Thursday. I got my bowling night on Friday. I got my movie watching night on what's the name day. And I, and I, and, and I go to the football game every Sunday afternoon. So I got to be leaving church at, at 12 sharp. Yeah, hurry up, Bishop. Because I got to be leaving because the football game is coming on. So I'm leaving, say. Are y'all hearing what I'm saying? And the, re the, re the reality is most of us are not healthy when it comes. Our conversion needs to come over this. When Jesus comes into your life, when he really does, then, then what happens is an amazing thing. John 1.12 says, as many as believed on him, he gave them the power to become the sons of God. Now as a son of God, I am an heir of God. Romans 8, 17. So if I'm a son or a daughter of God, then I'm a child of God, then whatever God has, I get because I'm an heir of God. If I'm an heir of God, God knows how to take care of his sons and daughters. Clap your hands even if you don't believe it. Clap your hands. Just make me believe you believe it, okay? Give a mighty shout just because you, you know, just, just, just chase that thing away. Whenever God, whenever you come into, whenever you come into favor with God, you are an heir and you are a son. All the power you need. What if God chooses, Lord, help me right now, to strip you of your power for a season so that he could prepare you to handle more. What if God wanted to come into your life in such a way that it was no longer a chore for you? It was no longer a fear for you. But you were open-hearted because you know where all of it comes from. We got a whole different situation. I want you to contemplate that. You know, we've been talking about all in. We did something we've never done before. And it's clear as I look at the cards you've turned in, it's clear that many, some of you don't understand the process. I would love to be able to help you. But I'll just say this, that we talked about a two-year commitment. Number one, of doing what we already did. Number two, of thinking, Lord, I would like to do this much more. The safe goal and the faith goal. Then we talked about, Lord, I got this laying up in my house or in my garage or in my storage and I would like to convert this because I want to give it to what you're doing. So, beloved, when we talk about generosity here, conversion expresses itself when there is no fear because you know whose hands you're in. You know who has come into your life in your house. It is amazing to me how Zacchaeus, he, the Lord decides to reveal his story because it is a public conversion. It's not a private one over a period of time. 
but it's right up front in your face. You know, this, this message is a, 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 can be a difficult message for those who really have more money than most. Because if your lifestyle is built on a certain level, the t- and you've been living there for a while, it's a little difficult for the Lord to say, but I want you to do this. Because what happens to you, you realize, oh my God. Yeah, I, call him, amen. Oh my God, yeah, call him. Because if he, if he says, I, listen to me, t- talk, to your neighbor, talk to them for me. If God asks you for something, he's not trying to get something from you. He's trying to get something to you. And what you have right now is keeping that. I want you to be more aggressive about it. Because Jesus said, wherever your heart is, come on, talk to me, there your, I know I reversed it, wherever your treasure is, there will your heart be. And that's why he looked at Zacchaeus. He bought Jesus so much joy. He even called him a son of Abraham. (laughs) That's amazing. That's amazing. Because Abraham was rich. (laughs) And he was rich because he believed God. Because when Jesus said to Abraham, come, follow me, Abraham dropped everything, picked up his family, and followed Jesus. And was that obedience that brought him to a place of abundance. When I talk about generosity and radical generosity, I'm talking about God touching your heart, touching your heart in a way that moves beyond your your safe zone, but actually deals with you in terms, Lord have mercy, of your power. You don't believe money's power, then you, 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 you might not be thinking about it correctly. You don't believe it, just buy her what she wants. Money's power. So, Darrell, you know that, you know that love song that Quincy Jones wrote? Dedicate her favorite song. And hold her close. Oh! All night long, she wants to pay You better believe it, baby. Anybody know the song? It's an amazing song. It's so true. Money is power. Bow your heads and say, I want to impress you, God. I want to impress you. I want conversion to come to my door, my house. And, and just for reference sake, everything you've got, if you are his, belongs to him. Everything precious to you is his. It's not Jesus that brings the pressure on you. When you understand what he's given you, it translates into joy. That's how you know you're converted, because it's joy. So just recently, God blessed a couple in this, in this house, blessed them wonderfully after a long period. And then out of that blessing, the bishop got blessed. And out of that blessing, we were able to bless somebody else. And it's just going to keep on going because it's power. Are you hearing what I'm telling you? I want you to pray and talk to Jesus. And I want you to ask him to forgive you for living in fear. It's not rules and regulations he's trying to give you. It's love. You know, if you, when you love him and you hang out with him, all the stuff you're not supposed to be doing, all that stuff, he'll take care of all that. It's not license. I love Jesus and I'm going to do whatever I want. It's not, that's, not, that's not the gospel. That's not salvation. But when, you, when he comes to your house, all that stuff hanging around you, all that stuff around you, is it, 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 it now becomes, this don't mean nothing. I promise you, I promise you, it wasn't 24 hours ago that I was thinking about him. 
It's amazing. So with your, with your, with your head down and, and reach over and touch your neighbor, I want the Lord to touch you. And I want the Lord to let conversion come to you. I want you to, you know, repentance, Zacchaeus' repentance was in the fact that he was persistent to see him. Zacchaeus' repentance was in, was that in the inconvenience of climbing the tree. Zacchaeus' repentance was in his ready obedience to come down to invite the Lord into his house. Your repentance may be, it may be you renouncing that tight fist that is motivated by fear of not having enough. It's a lie. It is a lie. Your repentance may manifest in the fact that you just, you, you have this desire spring up inside of you to give. And with it comes all of its joy. When Zach knew that the man was coming to his house, he was free. He was free. The Bible, you know, he, he, threw, he threw a party. He threw a party. He didn't get all his friends all the other tax collectors, he was a chief tax collector. You know, if he said, I'm off a party, everybody's going to be there. He, he, he had joy in his heart. Not disdain. Not suspicion. He said, well, I would give, but you know, you know, they, you know, you know, you, you know he's taking all the money. Are you serious? Some of you might be serious about that. I'm, I'm so sorry for you. Come see me. I'll give you that. Put your head in the records and you'll probably faint. <laughs> I want you to repent from being scared, from being reticent. I want you to repent from keeping the images of poverty in your mind and letting them, let them rule you instead of the image of I am an heir and a son of God. As I obey him, he will cause me to prosper. Boy, it changes everything. That conversion is so serious. All of a sudden, now you, you know, my, here, take my car. Take my car. Now, now I, here, stay here. Now, all of a sudden, hey, I got something in my closet. I know this will help you. Yeah, I, I'll come. Look, I'll, I'll leave work early and I'll just come be with you. I'll give you my time. That's generosity. Because I know you need me to be with you. Actually, come out your shell. And what can God do with a person who comes out this way? Father, in the name of Jesus, please, Lord, for everyone that asks, come in this way to their house. I pray, Heavenly Father, set them free. Set them free. Let joy spring up inside them. Because they're no longer bound. Lord, I give you praise and I give you thanks for changing their lives. <laughs> In the name of Jesus, I pray. Amen.